was, I was telling someone that um, I really thank them for their flexibility. He says, so time for being flexible. This is going to be difficult <laughs> to hold the thing in during basis basis. But we are flexible, aren't we? Praise God. Okay, now, what must we do? Clem taught a message, and, and it was a great message. Uh, but first of all, some people, and we have the college students away for um, a lot of them away this, this week on break. Um, but in life group, what I did was I went through uh, some of the things uh, with our group that Clem brought because some people don't even know what the prophetic is. And I said, well, uh, Clem is the, the prophet over Cornerstone. He's one of the prophets in GCI. We have about four, but he's, he's one of them. And they didn't understand, okay, what do you mean? So we want to, first of all, clarify that. Now, many of you know, but some of you don't know. And if you do know, it's a review. If you don't know, it's okay, uh, because we're going to go through it. Uh, let's open our Bibles. Uh, and let's, let's start. I don't want to use this podium, but I'm going to have to. Uh, let's let's um, start in Corinthians. Uh, not Corinthians, but um, Ephesians, because that's where Ephesians chapter 4, that's where everything starts. Uh, do you realize that prophets of the Old Testament, you know, are not the same as prophets in the New Testament? They are not the same. Now, you say, well, what, what makes them different then? Because if I, I, I heard him uh, prophesying over people, he was speaking words over people, that means it doesn't come to pass, we can stone him. Well, uh, no, it's a little bit different in the, in the, um, <laughs> in the, in the New Testament. Um, but we do have prophets because people wonder, well, do we, have, do we really have prophets in the, in the um, New Testament? Yes, we have prophets in the New Testament. So if you're looking at um, Ephesians chapter 4, let's start probably at 7. That will help us out a little bit. And it, we're talking about the ascension gifts, really. But to each one of us, grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, that's why they call it ascension gifts, he led captive, captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts unto men. Now, then it, in my Bible, it starts a parenthesis. Now, if we'll skip over the parenthesis because the parenthesis ends uh, in 10, at the end of 10, uh, you can read that on your own. It, it goes all, to, all together, but I'm interested in, he gave gifts unto men. What kind of gifts did he give unto men? Let's skip over the parenthesis, verse 7. And he gave some as apostles. Okay, he gave some as apostles. And some as prophets. Oh, ooh. And some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Now, no one has problems with um, the ascension gift of evangelists. No one has a problem. No one has a problem with the ascension gift of a pastor, of a teacher. No one has a problem. We start having problems when it says an apostle or prophet. Sometimes it's because of the misuse. Sometimes it's uh, just not knowing because I didn't know. Uh, when I came to this church, I didn't know anything. So uh, what I needed to do is learn. And so in that learning process, I learned that 
oh, this is scripture here. So now, let's look a little further here and find out then what they're supposed to do. All of these five ascension gifts are four, if you want to put pastor teachers together, are for the equipping or the completion of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Do we need equipping? Until we all attain unto the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Have we arrived yet? Right, that's correct. So if we have not arrived yet, then what is telling me is that these gifts, the pastor is still needed. That's what it's telling me. It's telling me that the apostles still need it, the prophets still need it, the uh, teachers still need it, the evangelists still need it. We still need them. Now, it also tells me that if, if these fivefold gifts or fourfold gifts are for the equipment of the saints for works of service, that means that suppose I say, the apostles don't exist today. The prophets, they don't exist today. So therefore, the only one that exists is the pastor. Because I'm a pastor. You know, what, 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 what I'll be doing is nullifying the scripture. See, because the scripture didn't say the ascension gifts were onefold. <laughs> it says fivefold. So that means that we need the apostolic gift. We need the prophetic gift. And they are for foundations. That's what they are for, foundations of the church. My mentor, he, he's, he's apostolic, and he's the one that, that uh, started GCI. Back then it was Grace Presbyterian, and it, it might change uh, soon uh, to another name, but it's still going to be the same. But when he comes, he, he lays foundations. He knows how to start churches from just his family. He, he starts them. And he just finished starting one and, and turned that one over also. So he, he, he started about four churches now from scratch, and, and basically that's all he does. And now he's, he's just a coach because he just turned his last one over, and he's 70, 70 years old right now, but he's still raring to go. So in a way... We need the apostolic gift. We need a prophetic gift. Now let's go just a little bit further. Not only do you need just the prophet or the apostle, we're not talking about the same prophet as in the Old Testament. We're not talking about the apostle either that's in the Old Testament or the New Testament. We, we, what we're talking about in the New Testament, see, they, they were with Jesus, some of them, like Barnabas wasn't, but um, what what happens is that they was writing scripture. There is no more of that. It's just laying a foundation for the church. That's all it is, doing what Paul did. Let's go to um, Hebrews. Let's go over there to Hebrews. In Hebrews, someone said, well, well, if he doesn't speak through prophets, how does he speak to us then? In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, and two, it says that God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers 
It can be in, by, through, that word, that Greek word, the prophets, in many portions, in, in many ways. But we know that. That's Old Testament. In these last days, of course, the last days have been going on ever since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, has spoken to us in, by, through his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom, uh, through whom also he made the world. So how is he speaking to us today? Through his son, Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. So we know that um, he's speaking to us through his word. He speaks to us through Jesus Christ. He speaks to us also through the spirit of Christ or the spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us also. He speaks to us through circumstances. He speaks to us, he speaks to us differently these days, doesn't he? But he still speaks. Now, what's the difference then between, uh, say, the prophet who say he's a prophetic oversight over cornerstone and just someone who prophesied like we have a, a prophetic group and, and we have people who, who can prophesy in our, in our congregation. What's the difference? Well, the difference is that he's been set apart as a foundation part of Grace Church, Churches International. His gift has been proven and he has taken it to a point where he's been appointed as one of the prophets of GCI. And since I said we have four, uh, we chose Clem to be the prophet over, over Cornerstone uh, because they work together, Clem and Jerry, my mentor. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Romans chapter 12. Let's go there. Because not only do you have, because something happened also at the end of the service, he spoke words over some people. And we need to uh, get some understanding of those, those things. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. He spoke some words over some people. He said, oh, what is that? You know, mm. And, you know, you, anything that God does, the enemy distorts. The enemy counterflips. So you can, you, can, you can see excesses of everything. Um, you know, people, a lot of people want to prophesy and be a prophet and all those type of things. And they'll come to you and say, hey, uh, I got a word for you. And they say, oh, you do? Yes, this time next year you're going to have a child. Oh, you are? Oh, hmm. And so, you know, it doesn't happen. Um, you know, people get frustrated and, and uh, disappointed and things like that. So, so a lot of the excesses have caused problems in the church. But that doesn't mean that the real doesn't exist. Is that correct? Everything that God does, Satan will try to counterfeit it and do something different. We have false teachers, don't we? It says it in the Bible, we have false teachers in Second Peter. So if we have false teachers, do we have real teachers? Okay, we do have real teachers. So it's the same thing there. In, in, in um, Romans 12, starting verse 6, now these are what people call motivational gifts because it's something that God has put in you that really motivates you. Uh, some people, it says here, uh, since we have gifts that differ 
according to the grace given to us, and we do. All of us differ in, in the gifts. Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. So God is telling us we need to exercise our gifts that he's given us. Don't hold on to it. You need to be a part of the body where you can exercise your gifts. Then it says, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving or in his who teaches in his teaching or he who exhorts in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This is what they call motivational gifts. But we have a prophetic gift that's a motivational gift. We have people who God has, has given them a gift that they are sensitive to things and, and um, uh, they, if they work on this thing, and that's why we ask one of the a prophets, and that's what we do too, the five-fold ministry, they're equipped, that they're supposed to equip the saints. So what I wanted to do is say, okay, if you're supposed to equip the saints, like I'm equipping the saints, then this is what I want you to do, Clem. I need you to start a prophetic group at Cornerstone because we want everything that's in the Bible, we want to hear in the house. Evangelists, we want to be raising up <laughs> people of evangelists because obviously some people have the gift. Teachers want to be raising up. Pastors want to be raising them up. Also prophets, also uh, apostles. So therefore, I want you to start that. So he sent... Um, Bob Watson, who is another prophet over, uh, in GCI, he goes to foreign countries just like Clem does. Uh, we have we have about four. Michael Michael Cotton, you haven't you haven't seen Michael. He's been here before, but this was back in the early days. Um, he's he's leading GCI now, uh, but he's 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 a fine young man. I was with him on on Wednesday. So what he did was start a prophetic group for us, and that's why you see sometimes Sam and and Barry will come up and. And they'll speak. Uh, they'll say, if you have one of us to pray over, we'll pray for you and see what God may say to you. So we have that. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and let's see another side to the gifts, which are different. See, now we're talking about gift, different gifts now. We have one that was a, an ascension gift. He's given five gifts or four gifts to the church for the equipping of the saints. So I bring all five, the, the elders, that's what we are here for, is to make sure you get all five. In verse, let's start in verse um, 6. We'll start in 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Oh, man, here's another word, the manifestation. When something manifests, it means it shows. It means light is shined on it. That means that it becomes apparent. It's observable. See, it's the manifestations of the Spirit. Now, it's not, a, a, it's not an ascension gift he, he's talking about. It's not uh, just a, a motivational gift where you, you've been uh, motivated as what was in you to serve. Some people just servants. Some people are ministrators. Some people, are, they, they just, uh, they show mercy. All those are gifts that are motivational gifts. But this says this is a manifestation of the Spirit. So that means that the Spirit would do things that is visible. What would he do? For to one is given the word of wisdom through the same Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge 
according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. Now, we're not talking about the same faith now that the saving faith, but this is, this is different. This is a manifestation of the spirit, see? And it says here, to another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. See, that is a word again. So the spirit of God can manifest himself to the body through someone with just a word of prophecy. But it would be something that the spirit is doing through a person. And to another, the, the distinguishing of spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individual just as he wills. So this is as he wills, he does it. And I, when I, when I started um, this administration at Cornerstone, we said we're going to be open to all of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be open to all of the uh, motivational gifts that the Spirit gives. We're going to be open to all of the five ascension gifts. We're going to be open to all. Put all it's in the Scripture. We're going to be open to it. Now, we know that it's as he wills in this manifestation. We know that he doesn't give it to everybody the same thing, to everyone. We know that motivation gifts, everyone doesn't have the same gift. Is that correct? That's right. And we know that everyone doesn't have a five-fold ministry gifts. We know that too. Now, if you look at um, tw- uh, a little further than 12, it'll tell us what Clem did in... Um, Verse, let's start at verse 29. It says, verse 12 of chapter 12, 29, it says, All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak in tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? So the, the answer is No. It's, it's, it's the implied answer to all those questions. And then it says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. And then it says, I'll show you in a more excellent way. And this goes into chapter 13, everybody calls it a love chapter. And if you, you can have all these gifts that you want to have, every last one of them, you can have gifts of, of faith so great that you can move mountains, it means nothing if you don't have love. It goes into those things. But let's go a little further down here into uh, 13. Uh, let's start in verse 8 where it says, love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, see, that's the word again, because that's what we're talking about, because that's what Clem was doing. They will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Let's stop. Do you agree with that scripture? No, I do too. I'm glad you do. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. So I've gotten so many prophetic words over the past 20-some years that I've been exposed to it in in this church uh, with different people and and other churches, different places. And what I do with the words is I make sure that they... I get a copy of it if it's recorded. 
I'll have somebody writing it down so I can review it and so I can pray over it. Because most things, I know what Scripture is supposed to do. I know what prophecy is supposed to do. And so I said, well, I'm, I want to pray over this thing uh, because I don't know what's going to be real and what's not going to be real because I know that people prophesy in part. Okay? So therefore, I want to take what witness would mean and then what doesn't witness witness with me, but, hmm, you know, I don't know. I put that on the shelf. And that which I know, you know, they miss that. Then, of course, I just throw that away. Now, that's what I do because I know what the Scripture says. And I know that we're all human beings. I know that even though you have a gift of intercession, I know that sometimes you can get in the flesh. How many of you know that? You can start praying things that you, you know, that you want to pray, but it's not God praying and all vice versa. Uh, people who serve, they, they, you know, they want to serve when they want to. When they don't want to, they don't serve. You know, they just, you know. So we all have a, a teaching gifts and things like that. We all need to improve on these things, don't we? Yeah, we do need to improve. So therefore, I know the same thing about the prophetic gift. But see, now, I don't want you to say, Wait a minute now, you know, you said that those things going to be done away with, prophets done away with, if prophets done away with, then what is he doing here prophesying old people? Now, since we know in part, now, I know you know that knowledge hasn't passed away. I know that you, you have wisdom enough to know that knowledge has not passed away. You know that, don't you? Okay. But, verse 10, when the perfect comes... The partial will be done away. Now, the question would be, what is perfect? Now, some people say the perfect would be the canon of scriptures. When they, when they put the New Testament, whenever the Bible together, that's it. We don't need prophecy. We don't need anything. All we need is the word of God because that's what we have. Some people say, no, 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 that's not it. The next verse would mean that. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. Then I did away with these childish things because, uh, meaning that, an analogy, uh, that when, when I grew up to maturity, I didn't need this. When the church grew up, in other words, they're saying, it's an analogy of the church. When the church grew up, then the church no longer needed these gifts. No longer needed prof- prophecy. No, no, no longer needed tongues. No need, they didn't need all these things. I said, huh, that's interesting. Because I believe that unclean spirits still exist. I believe that Satan still exists. And if he still exists, obviously we have a problem. Would you agree that we have a problem when Satan is, is loose? We have a problem. Because he doesn't like God. He doesn't like nobody to glorify God. He's going to cause problems. So I believe that we're still going to have to deal with these unclean spirits. We're going to have to deal with strongholds. And, and, and like I said in, in further on in Ephesians, that um, we don't war against, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rules of doctrine, spiritual. If that's going away, we can all rejoice, can't we? But it hasn't gone anywhere. It hasn't gone anywhere. So I say that the church hasn't matured to a point that we don't need healings. Why pray for Steve? 
finally said, well, I'm sorry, Steve. Steve, you know, you know that eye's gone, brother, you know. You say, Steve doesn't believe that. I don't believe that. I hope you don't believe that. So we're going to pray for Steve. You say, for healing for him. One way or the other, supernatural, like uh, Elder Sam said, uh, supernatural or through the doctors, we'll take either, either one. Let's get him healed. So we're going to pray. We don't believe those steps are going away. Then it says, for now, verse 12, we see in a mirror dimly, but then, oh, then. Now, we got to go back. For we know in part, in verse 9, and we prophesy in part, it says, but that which is perfect, that, that when that which is perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have also been fully known. Who in the world fully knows you? Jesus. 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 Do you know fully as Jesus knows you? Do you know everybody fully as Jesus knows you? No, you don't know that. So, Perfect can't be the canon of scripture, can it? Well, so what it's talking about, of course, is when the second coming, when he comes. <laughs> when, when, oh, when he comes and, and uh, dead raises first and then those who are alive is taken up with them. Oh, we get this new body. Oh, we can know something then. But now we still know him part. I'm trying to help you through scripture because We've been taught so many things, and so I tell people, read the Word of God with, without tinted glasses. You hear what I'm saying? Because if your theology has already tinted you because somebody told you something that you really liked the person because they were right on everything else, but when they got the gifts, they kind of, they, they said this right here, so you believe everything they said, then when you read this, you're going to have tinted glasses. When I started, I said, God, I don't want nothing that has been taught me by man that is off from your word in a proper context, exactly where you meant it. So I want to know, because if I'm going to be held responsible for standing here before you, teaching you something, I want to know the truth. I don't want to get up here and regurgitate something that, that was taught me without me getting in this word. And I mean studying this thing and, and you know, checking out what this says, this over here says. I want to, I want to, I want to have uh, conflicting opinions because I want to hear what the left is saying, what the right is saying. So I want to hear the, the negative things about this and the positive things about this. I want to pray. I believe that God's going to lead me. I believe he has lead you. So I said, read the word of God for yourself. Don't believe everything I say. Right. Don't believe everything I say. Read it. You got the Bible. It's not in, in Greek. Right? It's not in Hebrew. They translated it for us, didn't it? Yeah. It's not in German. Right? Read it. <laughs> and I, because I believe that if you do that and you study it, I believe that we'll come to the same conclusion that I thought I knew something. But the more I study, the more I know, man, I don't know a lot of stuff. Because when I was young, I thought I knew a lot. I did, I did. You know, deceived. 
And sometimes, say, that's what uh, Clem was talking about, is that we can get into a situation where we have this village thinking, and that's not going to be good because that's going to keep us in the same place. Chapter 14, verse 1, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. And gifts is not in the Greek, so it's spiritual things. So he wants them to desire earnestly spiritual things, especially that you may prophesy. Oh, okay. We're on the same, we're on the same wavelength. We're talking. Why do you want me to prophesy? Especially. And he's talking to the church. For the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So we know from the background of, of uh, Corinthians, which I'm not teaching this um, book of the Bible right now, but uh, historical background, basically, they were a church out of order. They were exercising their gifts, but they were elevating some gifts above the other gifts, especially uh, vocal gifts of, of speaking in tongues. And so they wanted to, they wanted to just, you know, go at it in church. Service and, and people coming in church don't understand nothing what they're saying, you know. Uh, he said, look, I want you to earnestly desire to prophesy. He said, but the one, look at verse 3, but the one who prophesies speaks to men for the edification. Okay, so we see what Clem's supposed to be doing when he comes. Edify, he's supposed to exhort. He's supposed to consolation, which is comfort. The one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So we're talking about the church. And do what you want to do at home. We're talking about the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. The greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in a tongue unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. So that's what the whole issue is over edification in the church. If I speak in French, it's not going to help you unless you speak in French. I don't care what language I speak in. It's not going to help you unless you understand that language. So, therefore, it's telling us order is necessary. Order is necessary. And that's what we believe in this church is order. Order, order. That's how we do it. Let's go to the message that he gave, which was dealing with, the essence of it was dealing with, you come out of the village and don't go back to the village with your thinking or your talking. Now, when he says the village thinking, talking, he's talking about uh, how you were brought up, maybe. He's talking about your uh, home, the way your home life was, or all those type of things. Um, we need to be a little different. So what must we do? Because you can get the message on, it's on our website. Uh, you can download it. You can also just listen to it uh, on your laptop or whatever you want to listen to it on. You can get the message. Now, what are we going to do with that message? What are we going to do with it? I say what we need to do is to do four things. I'm going to talk about probably two today, maybe three. One is that we must do the will of God. That's what we must do. That's one thing we must do. What must we do with this message? Because if someone comes and, and, and they're supposed to be 
the prophetic overseer of the church. He's supposed to be laying foundations, supposed to be helping you see things that we don't normally see. Then, and he's speaking to us. Now, we, we know that we have to uh, talk a certain way. We need to act a certain way. We're supposed to talk like the Bible says. We're supposed to act like the Bible says. But he could have brought many messages because he teaches a lot of messages. He has about 10 messages he could teach at any time because he goes places where he has to teach 10 straight days. So why did he bring this message? Well, we were praying that God don't allow Clem to come here and leave us nothing but a good message. We've had plenty of good messages. We can go on the Internet and get a good message, (laughs) can't we? We don't need a good message. We need God's message for us. That's what we need. And that's how we were praying. God opened our eyes so we can see and hear. Okay, since he came, he left. Okay, now, what are we going to do with this? Because we believe that he's pointing out something. It will destroy unity of anything if you have different thinking in a body. We need to think the same way. We need to think like the word of God says. Think. He's telling us to go to a higher level. We need to stop thinking in our regular village thinking, our regular environmental thinking with our tenant glasses thinking. We need to think scripturally. That's what he's saying. Now, did Jesus say that? That we need to do the will of God. Because that's what the essence is, that we need to do the will of God. The only way you can do the will of God is to know it. So in Matthew chapter 7, let's look there. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Let's try that and see what it looks like. See what it sounds like. In verse 21, Matthew chapter 7. This is Jesus talking. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. But he who does the will of my father who is in heaven. In essence, we enter. Oh, okay. I see. We need to do the will of God. Well, let's turn to Matthew 13. And do you know when Jesus came out of the wilderness being tempted, he went to Galilee, he went to Capernaum, and then he started preaching and teaching. And, and what, he, what he started teaching and preaching was repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he started preaching and teaching. Matthew 13, let's go to 31, verse 31. There is a kingdom of heaven thinking. There is a kingdom of heaven, heaven living that we need to do if we're going to do the will of God. We can't do the will of God being like the world. It says here in verse 31. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in the field. So he's he's explaining what the kingdom of heaven is like. Then in verse 33, it says, He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, 
which a woman took and hid in three pack, packs of flour until it was all leavened. He's teaching how the kingdom of heaven is. Verse 44. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. Verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea. Now, all he's doing is teaching the people, this is how the kingdom of heaven works. This is how it works right here. It works this way, this way. Now, here's another way it works over here. Let me show you another way it works. It works like this over here. Do we need to know how the kingdom of heaven works? Sure. If we're going to do the will of God, we must know how the kingdom of heaven works. Because we want to think and act like we are in a different kingdom. Is that correct? We are not in the kingdom of darkness any longer. We're in the kingdom of light. We are not of this world. We're not. So, <laughs> Daisy, when you go back to school, have you gone back to school yet, Daisy? Okay, when they ask you, hey, well, Daisy, where you been? Well, I was in another kingdom. <laughs> what, you, what you mean, you're in another kingdom? Do you know that we are, even though we are in this world, we're not of the world? And so, really, we are about our father's business, and we are, we are operating according to the kingdom of heaven rules. But if we, um, as it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you may present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to, to God, which is our reasonable service of worship. Be not, what? Conformed to this world. But be what? Transformed by the renewing of our mind. So the only way we're going to be transformed is to, is to get in this word, learn how the kingdom of God operates, and start doing those things. There are kingdom rules about just about everything. And those kingdom rules differ from, a lot of times, the things of the world and the ways of the world. Would you agree? I don't care. What, <laughs> I don't care what it was. You can look in the Old Testament, from Old Testament to Revelation. I don't care what it, they. If if the church start living by what they have been taught in the world system, they're gonna get worldly results in whatever it may be. Just name a subject, and he has kingdom. Of heaven rules for it. Doesn't he? Yeah. But the world says that you don't have to do that. You're crazy if you do that. About almost any subject. Is that true? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I can name many subjects, but I'm, I'm sure you've been in this church long enough to know that's true. What's a, what's a good example? Oh, look, let's, let's give you one. Let's give you one. How about in James chapter 1? Count out joy when you fall into various trials. Right? Yes, sir, that's crazy. But that's a kingdom of heaven statement, isn't it? See, we can't count it all joy if we're living by the world system. We can only count it joy when things work out the way we want it to work out. We can count it joy. And all of us are going through something. We can just parade you up here and say, hey, tell me something's wrong with you. We can start with me. <laughs> and and I, we, all of us got something, don't we? That could be a little bit better. A little bit different. But he said, count it all joy. Because what I'm trying to do is take you somewhere that's kingdom that's out of this world. The world won't understand this thing. Peace. That's another example, isn't it? I'm just giving just, just peace. He says that I've left you peace. I give you peace. Not that the world gives I give you. His peace surpasses all understanding, doesn't it? What does the world say? How do you have peace? How do you have peace in the world system? Hmm? When everything goes well for you, you got peace. Things not going well with you, your children, your marriage, I don't care what it is, then you don't have peace. But that's not, that's not the kingdom of heaven living. It's not... It's not a part of the kingdom of heaven is like this. That's not part of that. The kingdom of heaven is like when everything goes wrong, you have peace. Because your peace is not based on your situation. Your joy is not based on your situation. Your joy is of the Lord. Isn't it? My joy is in the Lord. That's what my joy is in. So, therefore... Would you like me to tell you something that's, that that's, uh, I can run down about 5, 10, 15, 20, 20 things that I like change? Would you like to hear it? I won't want to hear yours either. <laughs> really? We don't. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. He said that when, when things come that, that, that's kind of not like you want it to be, be of good cheer because what's happening is that these things are, are, are just taking you to another level in me. It's not that I can't bring you out. It's not that I uh, want this to ha- be happening to you. Yes, I'm allowing it to happen because I have a, a different motive here. I want to help somebody else and I want to help you. So I want you to Realize that the enemy is, in this situation, is trying your trust in me. And I want you to let perseverance have its perfect work, that you'll be entire, perfect, and wanting nothing. Now, if you like wisdom, ask me. 
and I'll give to you liberally. I won't find fault in you. I'll give it to you. That's what he said in James chapter 1. But ask in faith without any doubting. Because the person who doubts is like a what? A wave of the sea that's tossed to and fro just as the wind blows. Don't think that man's going to receive anything from the Lord. That's it. Because you're unstable, double-minded. So has he given us a promise? Yeah. He says that when you're going through situations, stay steadfast. Throw your anchor down. Don't allow the winds of adversity to blow your boat out into never-never land. Anchor yourself. When things are not going your way, trust in me. I'm trying to build your faith in me, your trust in me. I'm trying to build that. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you, even to the end of time. I don't care how bad things are, how bad you think they are. If you will do what I asked you to do, then you're going to have a perfect work. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. That's what he says in, in that. This is, a, this is kingdom of heaven thinking. So therefore, Steve, you can rejoice, brother. Right, you can rejoice. Because you know that God loves you, don't you? You know he loves you. You know he's going to look out for you. Because you will look out for Shay, won't you? Yeah, you look out for Shay. You do anything you could for Shay. He'll do anything he can for you. He loves you. He loves us, doesn't he? Yeah, he loves us. He knows what you're going through. And these days and time, people are wavering. They're wavering in the storm. God doesn't want us to waver. You see, Satan's trying to get you off of, he's trying to get you off of his word, his promises. That's what he's trying to get you off of. He's trying to get you so that you won't glorify God. That's what he's trying to get you to do. So what must we do with this message? We're going to come out of our tinted glass thinking, and we're going to move into the kingdom of heaven thinking more so than we ever have before. Because if God pointed it out, if he pointed it out, that means that we need to then so, okay, you put your finger on something. I thought we were thinking right. I mean, I, I mean, we memorized that scripture in Romans 12, 1 and 2. We memorized that. We're not conformed to this world. He says in uh, John chapter 17, don't turn to John chapter 17. Uh, he says that, starting in verse 15, he says that, just as my father sent me into the world, so I send you. He said, I don't want to go. Well, he went, didn't he? Jesus Christ was outreach-oriented. Do you hear what I'm saying? He was always about saving souls. He was always about bringing light to people. He was always about discipling people. That's what he was about doing. From village to village, he was teaching the kingdom of heaven. 
he didn't tell the apostles to go do something different than what he did. They were supposed to do the same thing. And if they didn't want to, if they didn't want to do it, he would scatter them, as you can read in Acts. He'll scatter them. If you want to hang around, or in the Old Testament, you can be at the Tower of Babel, you're going to build a, uh, something high, and you're going to, or you're going to be out, out, confound your languages so that you have to go to the other end of the parts of, all parts of the world. What does he have to do for us to get us to go reach out to other people? What is he going to have to do for us or to us? I say I want to start thinking more kingdom because he's saying that it's not about you. It's about me. Isn't that what he says? It's about his glory. You were created for what? His glory. His glory. You were bought with a price, were you not? The precious blood of Jesus Christ, as someone said today. Which is a scripture I was going to read. I don't have to read now. So if we are bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we're not our own. We are servants, bond servants of the most high God, aren't we? Um, isn't that a good thing to be? A slave. Isn't that a good thing to be? A slave of Jesus Christ. Because he's not going to be a hard taskmaster. He's not going to do everything you think he ought to do when you think he ought to do it. But he's going to be about your welfare. So I'm excited about the message he, he brought. Now next week what I want to do is help everybody because I have, um, I have some things I want to share uh, with you next week that will help you where you are. Today, I just want to lay the foundation of saying on this two-part message, one was that what must we do? We must do the will of the Father. That's what we must do. What must we do? Oh, we need to be thinking kingdom of heaven-minded. We need to be operating according to the kingdom of heaven-minded. That's what we must do. What must we do? We need to change our thinking. Those are three things I went over. Okay? We need to do the will of the Father, one. We need to just start thinking, and they, they don't have to be in order. We need to start thinking kingdom principles, kingdom of heaven living. And number three, that we need to act and talk like the kingdom. In other words, to conform our mind and our thinking to the kingdom way. Number f- uh, fourth one I'm going to go over to m- uh, next week is what must we do? Pass our tests. Pass our tests. Okay? And we're going to go through some scripture and we're going to go over test after test that he's given and see these people in the Bible, how some passed them, how some failed their tests. God loved them and he's going to take us through tests and, and when, I was, when I was going through it, I wanted to do it today uh, instead of the foundation message. But I said, no, let me do the foundation first. Because it's so, it was so encouraging to me. Because I have things that I want to be different in my life. I, want, I, I have things I want to be different in your lives. I want you to be successful in all that you put your hands to, just like Hezekiah. Everything that you, you started to do for the house of the Lord... And for his kingdom's sake, you prospered. That's what I want to happen to you. 
I want your kids to be saved. I want them to be uh, those who are not married to marry godly uh, mates. That's what I want to do. Isn't that what you want to I want your jobs to prosper. I want you to, you know, your relationships to prosper. I want those things to happen for you. And sometimes I get discouraged. Do you get discouraged sometimes? And so it encouraged me when I was, when I was studying for next week's message. It was encouraging me. I said, man, this is good. So it's going to be good for you, I believe. If it's not, just I'll be excited next week. <laughs> okay? Let's stand. Again, if you missed the message by Clem, you can go to the Internet, uh, the website, our website, uh, click on Media, and then Clem Ferris' message will be there. And you can listen to it. You can download it, put it on your iPod or whatever you, you download things on and take it with you. Or you can get a CD, uh, just letting uh, Jason or somebody know in the sound booth. They'll get you a CD, and you can play it in your car, whatever you want to do. If there's anyone here that's not born again, you cannot think, walk, do the will of God without being born again. You can't do it. So if anybody here that said today is the day of salvation for me, I want this way of thinking. Because I realize that things don't go my way either. So I want somebody to be an intermediate for me. I want a Savior. I need a Savior. I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing. If that's you today, today is the day of salvation for you. Would a prayer team come up, please? If today is the day for you to say, I want to rededicate my life to you, Jesus, do that today. Do that today. They will pray with you. If it's um, people that um, you said, you know, I'm going through some things and, and I, I'm, I'm not thinking the way the kingdom, you said the kingdom of heaven, thing, I'm not thinking that way. Would you pray with me that I can be strong? I can put my anchor down and I can not float out into the seas, into the ocean. We'll pray for you also. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, you are so good to us. You don't want us to read your word with tinted glasses on. You want us to study it. You want us to labor over it. You want us to pray to you to ask us, ask you for understanding for us, Lord. Father, that's what I want in my life. I want to keep studying, keep reading, keep meditating, keep praying. Because I need to hear from you, Lord. I need to hear from you. So many things that I don't understand. So in humility, we can say, God, show us by your spirit. Reveal to us. Open our eyes that we may truly see what you're saying. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. 